0: Welcome to Fred Basin's Diaries, read here by Clive Farahar. This is a book collector podcast sponsored by Adrian Harrington Rare Books of Tunbridge Wells. Fred Basin's Diaries, Part 10.
1: Today, invalided out of the ARP now got to be a civil servant by government orders. By golly, I'll give em civil. Start tomorrow at the Ministry of Supply. 1943 A big daylight raid. Much local damage. Sad to see Powell's home blitzed. Mine is also blitzed. No roof or front wall. Still, i would sooner stay and guard my few treasures. The last four days have been raids all the time. We're getting so used to them by now that the warning and the all-clear seem just the same. So we just get on with what we're doing and the shelters are not a quarter full. Sort of fatalistic now. What is to be, will be. Tonight I was told 14 German planes down. What's 14 when 400 can come tomorrow? Women keep children cleaner now. I asked one why, and she said she liked to feel that her little bugger was going to heaven clean and tidy, if he was to go. We've had four alerts in the night. Off, on, on, off. Oh, you can't keep getting up and going to the shelter. I've decided that once I will go to bed, I'll stay there or be blown from it. Ed an article accepted by men only. It's on boxers weighing in. And I'm going to get four guineas. Lovely. I'll have a night out of the expense. No use saving for a rainy day. Each day is raining bombs. Talk about luck. Up the market, on a barra, in a pile of absolute junk, I picked up Robert Bridges's first book, 1873, just poems. swore book in blue cloth. It was in fair condition and cost me tuppence. I rang up H and he said he'd pay 15 shillings cash. I've packed it up and Lizzie is taking it for me. It makes me happy to keep my hand in. I myself am well. This was my first day out for two weeks. I was meant to have this stroke of luck. It ain't a fortune, but it's real luck. I didn't read it. Our oh, Bridges, don't mind me. Arrived at Herefordshire Agricultural Camp to do a spot of work on the land. I'm at Shawbrook. Long queues for food. It's almost cold by the time one gets it back to the stall where it's laid out and then back to a table where there's room. Don't think I like haymaking, but I will have to go. Monday to Thursday work, oh my poor back. For this spell I got paid 13 shillings. It's not worth the effort. Friday I go to Raindon, which is nine miles from the camp. I'd sooner ache than a. Eh? I I ache either way. I'm simply not made for land work. My strength is in my brain and not in my arms. Back again at the Ministry of Supply. In some civil service association, which accepted my offer to work on the land a couple of weeks. I didn't feel I could confess that I worked Monday to Thursday the first week and then retired defeated and shirked and let a pal do my work as well as his and took the cash, which I didn't need, whilst I became a sort of official cheerleader, singer, chorus master and musician to our gang to keep their spirits up. Also, I looked very well. Alas, Mr Rowland's boss of my office is dead. My sole friend at court in the civil service is gone. He was kind and understood how I ate off his work and feel it is a prison. Now I was found a new pal to protect me from the red tape. Today I worked until 5.30 at the Ministry of Supply as an extra bit of work had to be done. And I volunteered to stay on and do it. And it so eased my conscience over the ace too keen I ought to have done. Went out for the star at 4.45 and learnt that Viscount Castle Ross is dead. He was a jolly old sort, and many times he and I have exchanged news and views. The least like a Viscount of all men I've met. He once treated me to a drink at the Alhambra, and it turned out to be a double whisky, and in ten minutes I was so drunk he had to take me home. And Mum and Dad never believed that that fat, red-faced old man was a Viscount. The Silver Chord was on the radio tonight, a grand play, and oh God, how much like my own fettered youth, The London Woodcock fight has been postponed, but why prolong it? If Jack lasts eight rounds, I'll eat my hat. I must read Dead Souls by Goggle, and I must get a book of Gauguin's art in colours. I really must improve my education. I've sold an article to the Strand. Price is eight guineas, and I'm highly delighted. A real feather in me cap. I'm reading N. Coward's Present Laughter. It's so readable. A day right away from books is good for a bookseller, and today Amy and I went for a hike through the Surrey Lanes. Amy is all of six feet and probably fourteen stone. She's a fine figure of a woman, and so nice and kind and amiable. We just look like Mutton Jeff, and yet, as odd as we look to passers by, we never notice it ourselves. It is, I suppose, the fascination of contrast, little men, big women. Tall, thin men, short, stubby girlfriends. I've seen it often. It works out okay. We never talk books. Amy reads perhaps one novel a year, but occasionally buys bags that I'm in. For to encourage the editor, she says, pointing out that if the sales rise when I'm a contributor, then the editors are bound to want me more frequently. We travelled this day to St Mary Cray, a pretty spot, and we got some wildflowers and pretty leaves and had a picnic and were very happy in each other's company. It seems to me that the simple pleasures are the best pleasures. This day has done me good. I shall sleep a very just sleep tonight. Into my tiny avastack I put his Tales of Soldiers and Civilians, but I didn't read it. Female company is so much more pleasant than a book on a pleasant September day. I will record what I think is so pleasant to lay on the grass and look up at the sky and hear the church bells in the distance and the birds chirping nearby. I felt at peace with the war. Books and authors, writing and fanball were forgotten. And Amy is not one calls a talker. She knows the value of silence and speaks when she has something to say. And a girl I know lives at Ealing, chatters nine and to the dozen and on and on. And after half an hour, one gets tired of listening to chatter that isn't an ounce of value. Good conversation is invaluable. It's becoming a lost art, alas. Yesterday I sold three articles to Answers, The Leader, and Titbits. The world is good to me. Miss my diary. Things so uneasy. Ebby raids daily. To night saw Uncle Harry at the Garrick. A really lovely play. Went with Ernest Pressey after the cigarette card meeting. The bloody Germans wouldn't like to know that 30 men spent the afternoon discussing the pros and cons of cigarette cards while the rockets came over. It would dishearten them. Takes a lot to get us down. Ethel Manning wrote today to say that she didn't need a book I'd sent her with over 360 comments by a former reader of it. Amazing that anyone should take the trouble to make 360 different comments in one book. I just thought how sheer core curiosity she'd like it. But then maybe, E.M., has no curiosity left. Read Arthur Kirstler's diary, Dialogue with Death, on the Spanish Civil War. Well worth reading. I think A.K. will become a big name. Saw Outward Bound, S. Vane, and bound to say I didn't enjoy it. This has been so far a year of lucky escapes on me, five times right close to death. Just ain't my time, or maybe I'm really meant for something, or to do something, to make the world laugh. All the windows out at home again, at least those that were still in, and it's bleeding draughty. This'll be a stinking Christmas, Dad in hospital. Lizzie is loyal as ever, what a treasure, makes life so much nicer than it ever was before. Such a pity she's fifteen years older than me. Still, it cannot be helped. We're happy together, and unless Hitler parts us, we'll remain together till Miss Wright blows along my path. 1944. The Ministry of Labour refuses to release me so that I can return to bookselling and get export trade in dollars for England. So much ado. I am today a clerk at the LCC in the Parks Department. We deal with the gypsies who make bids for pitches at fairgrounds. Never let it be said that these folks are poor. This very day I've seen some poorly clad but with little bags under their dirty skirts stuffed with pound notes. There will be £100 for a 10-foot pitch on Hampstead Heath for the Whitson and bank holiday season of a few days and think nothing of it. That shows the cash that's made from hoopla and roundabouts. But oh, how I hate this job. Tied to a desk making out silly lists of band concerts for parks. Four walls like a prison. I must do something, but not too bad, to get the sack. I cannot stand this place. People petty. I must be free. I will stick with it as long as I can and yet this does not help the war effort a scrap. A 14-year-old boy could easily do my jobs, or even 10. British Council could find me a much better, more useful job. Devising toys for children in shelter would at least be more useful. This night read all through four books by Beatrix Potter. She's a great juvenile writer. I can see why the kids adore the Taylor of Gloucester, and others really very charming. I forgot to record that on the 3rd of April I held a job for one day. Proofreader for Lloyd's Shipping Register. One day was quite enough. Paid me 12 shillings. All old men there in some union. All of them resented me and my inexperience and lack of union card. They said they'd make it L for me. But I don't want L, so why fight? Close of day I said NBG. St Effers, the rosary by F Barclay at three and sixpence, as ordered. Why do people still want this book, which is on a par with the sorrows of Satan? Dear old Charlie Austin is dead, a real trooper with many friends, a genuine cockney, and one who made me laugh many times. I got him the job as chairman for the old-time musical, and he did it well, and I knew he would. Bomb on a cinema at Croydon. Well, so long as no one is killed or injured, it doesn't matter a scrap. So long as it's not people's homes. We've had a bashing in Woolworths, gaps all around us. My roof's still off, and the tarpaulin that keeps the rain out has been flapping in the wind for three years. Letter from Ruth in New York. More passion. Will I go out there and marry her and look after her dressmaking business? I will not. God, I haven't even seen the girl. She's 39. Steady demand for Rider Aggard novels. I've mentioned this demand in my monthly letter for printing in the want list, the American clique. Thumb in, its owner, says he's going to send me all human bondage by way of a fee. I've earned it. Writing in this journal has cost me 48 stamps in the last three months through inquiries from USA Bookman, my international friendship effort. Today, I really went places and fulfilled an ambition. Eric Iscock took me to the Café Royal for lunch. First time I've ever been there. Wonderful experience. I sat facing Epstein, but somehow hadn't the guts to ask him for his autograph. It was not a big lunch. I rose still hungry, but I don't think Eric has much change out of a quid, which seems terribly expensive. Eric took me there in order to get an outline of my life's history so far, as he intends to write my profile for Spring Pie in 1945. Lord, this is fame at last. Basin in Pie. It should be pie in basin but then as an author I always do everything the wrong way round so that it's quite in keeping. Eric is a nice bloke and not a bit patronising. I left Threaten's under the plate which I hope was enough for the dignified waiter bloke. I thought I'd have a basin full of Shelley, so I got hold of a nice little addition slip it into my pocket and jumps on a bus and over to the Regent's Palace Hotel lounge. Here yeah, I get a comfortable chair and a welcome smile from a clean-looking waitress and a shandy, all for one and tuppence. Then I open the Shelley at page one to find the first do is called The Daemon of the World. I don't know what a daemon is, but I'm having a go, and it starts, How wonderful is death, death and his brother sleep, One pale as yonder wan and horned moon with lips of lurid blue, the other glowing like the vital morn when throned on ocean's waves. It breathes over the world, yet both so passing strange and wonderful. Well, I can't get the hang of it, and so I read it out loud. How wonderful is death, etc. And there is a geezer sitting right next to me, and he looks round startled and amazed. But I don't care. Then a bloke in an evening dress comes up and says, Excuse me, sir, are you feeling well? I says I'm feeling all right in a way, but I'm having a go at Shelley. Ah, oh, he says, melancholy like, I'd keep off the Shelley if I were you. 1945. I have completed my first film story. It's called The Blue Trilby, and is the life of a Trilby at from the time it's bought in a swagger shop till the days it's kicked around in the gutter of a back street. I'm pleased with it. But as I have no strings to pull and I don't know Corder, he's got no Enterprise, or Balkan, I don't suppose I shall ever get it read, as one must pull strings to get anywhere in film land. I made James Mason laugh today. I'm the store of a short for Pathé, in which Mason appears with Basin. I said, once upon a time a bloke could tell if a girl was not by looking at her, but with the skirts today you have to listen.' At last I'm free, and thank God for it. From April 1944 to May forty-five, I worked for the LCC. At first I was a clerk, and then they saw it was heartbreaking for me, so they sent me to Stockwall Depot, where, upon showing the boss, Mr. Enderson, my published books on toy-making, he put me on the job of devising new toys for children. For five months it was lovely, and then someone realised that I was graded as a clerk, and not as a toy-maker. And so, I suppose, thinking I was too comfortable, put me back on repairing the frames of lantern slides with black tape. I repaired thousands and thousands. I dreamed of them. I got fed up. It was a job a boy of 14 could easily do, being so simple, and I was getting stale. I begged for more useful work, no use. I asked for the sack, and now I've got it. Handshakes all round, left there with friends behind and no hard feelings. And now the Ministry of Labour say they will not direct me to any other jobs and I can once again be my own master as a seller and writer of books. They promise never to trouble me again, and I'm sure I'll never trouble them again. If I can't make my humble living at books, then I deserve to starve and die. Two and a half years ARP, one and a half years Ministry of Supply, one year LCC, six months seriously ill, five and a half years out of one's life due to a bastard named Hitler. Oh well, plenty worse off than me. And now to get back, to be Basin the bookman again. Out of the blue comes an invite to give half an hour's luncheon chat at a Rotary Club luncheon next Wednesday. Will I find it convenient? Yes, of course, why not? Somebody may want a few second-hand books or some mags to read. I could choose my own subject, OK, the history of cigarette cards. Oh why not? Every man there will recall fag cards and I'll make them remember their youth. This is not my first Rotary Club invite, it's the fourth. Carl would pick me up at 12.15. Okay, I'll be picked up. An hour ago, I returned from Norwood, where I gave an informal half-hour's chat on cards after I'd eaten a very nice, hearty lunch. All were so nice to me, and I displayed over a 100 rare cards. I started my talk like this. Well, blokes, I've had a jolly nice lunch, and now I'm up on my feet, too it, That made em laugh. The rest was kids' play. I got fifty cigarettes as a thank you. Alas, got no customers for books, but I think I made the folks remember me. Hilaire Belloc, the cleverest writer or nothing or anything in the world. A dear old man, fat and cheerful. We were both boarders at Balliol College at one period during the war. I'd been badly injured in a raid and was a guest of the students of the college, as I got well. This comes from making myself popular at Emmanuel College, Cambridge, where they sent me first of all. Bellock was, well, I suppose he was teaching them or something or other. I was wearing my ARP jacket, but my right leg was in plaster and my left leg smothered with bandages, so I had a much cut-up pair of old trousers and sat in a wheelchair in the porter's lodge. The porter was very kind to me and understood my cockney talk and made me feel at home, whereas the students were kind but in a patronising manner. I expect it was my silly imagination. Anyway, one day Mr Belloc came to the lodge and I said, Mr Belloc, I presume, as a start to ask him for his autograph. And he immediately replied, Mr Bomba, very close miss, I presume, looking at my legs. I call this very witty retort for the spur of the moment. Opening an informal talk given by me at a branch of the Professional Women's Clubs of Great Britain, with an MP in the chair, and lots of knobs presents, all the females over forty summers and ninety nine percent look very virtuous. Ladies, I've been allowed half an hour to talk to you upon books, and I'm a cockney and I talk three times as quickly as anyone else in this room. If I talk me old span of half an hour, you get half an hour's talk by a local speaker and you need a coffee half way through to wake you up, or I'd need it to keep my strength up. So I won't talk for half an hour. I'll slow down a bit and chatter for a quarter of an hour and if he likes what I says. At any rate, I hope she likes me for I do like making friends. Books is on the whole a friendly business although amongst the upper grade of the authors there's always a little jealousy and amongst the publishers there is at times a little backbiting but he gets it in all professions. Now I ain't clever enough to tell you what the influence of Guy de Maupassant had on Willie Maugham or who the best of the 18th century French writers are. Or even what the old man Gladstone said in 1884. My side of books these past 20 years has been the antiquarian side of the game. I sell second-hand books. I sell them cheaply because I believe in a quick profit. Even if I get a new copy of a book, it's still second-hand to me. I started out at 15 with a sack on my back as a book runner. After about eight years of buying a few books here and there and cleaning them up and running them to other booksellers, I opened my own bookshop. I stuck it for about six years, but it always made me feel so tied down that in the end, I gave it up. Then I had a barrow in the gutter and sold books from there. Now I sell via the posts, But ick, I ain't talking books, I'm talking basin. Let me get down to books. Well, now let's see. And then it was all books for 22 minutes. They asked me for another talk a month hence, but I said, no, one was enough. I must record a new word which I've learnt today. I don't expect I'll ever have cause to use it to describe a party, but a new, brand new word is always handy. This one is oenologist. I don't think I can pronounce it, but it means a bloke who knows what he's a drinking of. Like that bloke A. Simon who can tell if he's drinking good or bad wine. Me, I wouldn't know till I had bellyache, but an oenologist would know a glance or a sniff. I once had a Notes on a Cellar book by George Saintsbury. I sold it in Piccadilly but I got cheated for I said take your best price and they said that was seven and six. Then I saw it marked 25 bob. They might at least have paid me half. Dogs shouldn't eat jog. We all have to live or rather try to live. A book runner has a stinking job. All his buys are gambles. One mistake and he's out. Well I've been out so many times that it would be a change to be given a bit of praise, a little bit of encouragement and be told... I'm very pleased with your books. Call again. I'll buy all I can, always. No one says this to a book runner. All they do is grumble, grouse and cut him down to the last penny. I wish I could get out of this racket. It's played out now as first editions are the same as ordinary editions, with a very few exceptions. Now they want trollop all the time. Ick to trollop.
0: That was Clive Farahan, reading part 10 of Fred Basin's Diaries, a Book Collector podcast It was sponsored by Adrian Harrington Rare Books. If you enjoyed it, why not consider subscribing to The Book Collector, a quarterly journal in print and online for all those who take pleasure from books. Thebookcollector.co.uk has all the details.